Me and Giacomo, we've been friends and business partners for 10 years. And we've been disagreeing for the past 10 years. So <laughs> we, we always laugh about it. So I'm black, he's white. He's closed, I'm open. He's, uh, you know, tablecloth, no tablecloth. Today, we are chatting to someone who describes himself as an entrepreneur, a business psychologist, a thinkaholic, a restaurant marketing expert. Omar Eldik is much more than a restaurateur. He's someone who thinks deeply about hospitality, about his teams, about his customers. Uh, he's uh, currently the owner with his partners of Cucinetta and Cozzi in Melbourne in South Yarra. And they've recently taken on Vaporetto, a well established restaurant in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne in Hawthorne. Omar, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thank you very much, Danny. Welcome. Thank you. It's uh, it's lovely to have you on the show. We, we've been in touch a lot over the past few COVID years. Um, it's obviously been a yeah a really t- tumultuous time, but out of it, you've come in and bought another ris- another restaurant. T- tell me tell me about the suite of businesses that you own. Yes, so at the moment we own, as you said, with my business partners Giacomo and Donatello, uh, Cucinetta Melbourne in South Yarra, Cozy Restaurant in South Yarra, Carboni's in Ballarat, and uh, we just bought Vaporetto in Hawthorne. Oh yeah, I even forgot about the Ballarat. You're uh, not just a Melbourne group. Yes, we're trying to expand our operations, let's say. So, I mean, tell me what it is that drives you to to expand, uh, to take on to take on more. Uh, I think we are crazy. <laughs> no, I'm <joking. laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, it's just you know what we were born for. We just love hospitality. The, uh, we love people. We love the industry. Um, you know, Giacomo and Donatello come from a um, um, restaurant family. Their father was an executive chef for 20 years for a big uh, hotel chain. Um, I don't come from a restaurant family, but, you know, with them and for the love of the industry, we just connect each other. And, you know, we, we just like and we like be, being challenged, honestly. And tell us about your background. Um, you know, what, what did you do in Italy and, and what drove you to move to Australia? Yes, I arrived in Melbourne 10 years ago when I was 24, um, just because I wanted to improve my English skills. I'm still going. <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, you know, um, I finished my studying languages and I was working you know, in a few restaurants, hotels, uh, but not much of an experience. And then I wanted to come to an English speaker uh, country, um, not USA, not England, because it was too close, not South, South Africa. And then I decided for Australia. And when you came here, you worked at Cafe Ecucina, right? Which is a really iconic restaurant that um, really, I suppose, kicked off something in Melbourne. Um, that sort of energy, that bustle, um, yeah, a, a, a real place, you know, that people, you know, adopted as, as their own lounge room in a way. Like, what was it like to, to go to Cafe Ecucina? Absolutely. I arrived in 2012. Uh, you know, it's funny because on the first day of my shift, I met my uh, business partner, Giacomo. So first day he was at the bar, I was polishing the glasses 
and we just click straight away. The place at the time, 2012, was in a bit of a disarray because the previous manager had left with the restaurant manager and chef. So, you know, we had to rebuild a little bit the place and, you know, the people with a little bit of more leadership pretty much took over. And that happened to be Giacomo and I uh, trying to rebrand and, uh, you know, keep the business afloat and, you know, striving like it is now. Um, yeah, I remember, Danny, after a couple of years that we were, uh, I'll tell you a funny story, after we were managing the place, uh, you know, we, we think we were doing good. You came in and, uh, and, and done a review to us, which it was um, a negative review, but it was um, a very learning experience. So basically one of the guys, uh, you know, pretty much didn't do the service that we were supposed to do. And I honestly was really upset with the waiter at the time um, because, you know, from all the people that you could serve that happened to be uh, you and, uh, you know, not do a, a very great experience and uh, the service that we were renowned for. Oh, my God, Omar. <laughs> was it, do you reckon I was fair? No, you were really fair. You were really, really fair, and we deserved that bad review, honestly. Uh, because the operation, as you know, you know, after two years of uh, managing a place, they weren't established, obviously. So, you know, we're trying to build our uh, way up, but obviously we didn't have operation. It was such a short time. So your review was totally fair. Nothing against you, obviously. Oh, it's fine. You can be, you can, you can definitely think I got it wrong. That would be fine as well. The, my funny story about that meal um, is that I was dining with a friend who has the habit of, of, of being quite loud and also calling people by their full name um, at volume whenever she speaks to them. And so I, you know, worded her up. I was like, Fiona, like we're, we're undercover. I booked under a different name. We're not going to, we're not going to, um, <laughs> we're going to try to be incognito. And uh, then we're walking, we were seated upstairs and I remember walking uh, I think down the stairs and she yelled behind me like, what do you think of this, Danny Valant? And I was like, be right up. <laughs> uh, that, that is the funny thing of hospitality, hospitality. You know, you can be as, try to be as, um, as spotless as you can, but unfortunately sometimes you make mistakes and most of the time mistakes are in the operations. And uh, so great feedbacks like that to uh, help, help you to improve. And, you know, if, if you want, want to improve obviously yeah well i think it does take a certain um certain mindset or humility to be able to take on criticism and i guess you know you um you've you've written on your linkedin and i don't know anything about this about this you've written a document um hospitality psychology of sales a, a training tool i mean tell me about that you're obviously you know someone who you know hospitality is a very conscious business for you you're not just um going running through the motions uh tell us tell us about your, this psychology that you bring into your businesses so basically our approach to hospitality has always been a psychological approach and that's how we train all our staff because you know, when people come in, you actually get to experience the most successful people and everyday people and everybody uh, when they are off guard. You know, it's easy to do, uh, to you know, when they are not in a restaurant, 
we are all, you know, if we are in business or in other stages of life, we are all a little bit on guard. While in a restaurant, if um, the server is good, the atmosphere is well, uh, people get to relax. So when they're relaxed, you starting to get to know them and to see how they move, their patterns. And, you know, after many years in the industry, the patterns are always the same because we are human beings and we are all the same in a sense. And um, yeah, so that the psychological approach really helped our business to grow in many ways. Um, Giacomo and I, to give an example, uh, we bought Cucinetta in 2017. So after five years that we were at Cafe Cucina, uh, we, um, the place was a beautiful, you know, coffee style cafe, beautiful vibe. Uh, but not really quite what we wanted. So we wanted to turn the place in a boutique Italian restaurant. Uh, first year, we were just two young guys, you know, very passionate and, you know, uh, approaching the business with lots of passion, but very few, a little bit of business experience because of the previous um, uh, job, but no marketing, psychology and business and accounting skills. So first five months, we think we were good. Um, first five months, lunch is empty. Nobody was coming in. And we, we look at each other and say, wow, what, what's going on? So um, it was um, you know, a bit of a shock, but we said, let's take out a business loan of money that we didn't have and invest in, it, uh, in ourselves. So we took out this loan, we went to USA uh, pretty much in every capital. We start doing this business, marketing, finance, uh, Tony Robbins, psychological courses. And uh, after that, our business really exploded. Cucinetta became number seven on TripAdvisor. Uh, Marketing-wise, we reached over 2 million views on Facebook. Uh, we're talking about a 29 square meters place when nobody was doing pretty much advertisement for restaurants. Now it's a little bit more level, the game. Uh, yeah, that was the story of our psychological approach. And really- that's, that's so interesting because, I mean, so many people would be like, okay, you know, we've got to change the, the food or we've got to um, change the wine list. Uh, the food we knew was great. The food and wine we knew was great. We knew the service was great. We ju just couldn't quite catch it. What was the problem? And because we didn't have any experience in, you know, marketing, business, accounting, but more marketing and, uh, and the psychological level. And yeah, pretty much everything changed after that, honestly. So, I mean, what does it actually mean? Like, what do you, what do you transmit to your teams? Like, how do you look at the room? Like, what actually are the practical things that you do? Basically, the, the, training, that we, the training that we do is um, on the person. So lots of body language, uh, which is the most, uh, the most powerful tool. I know we all know about body language, but if we really start focusing about body language in a restaurant, uh, it's actually the person that gives you a lot of tells. An example, you know, if they are seated in a, in a strange position, and, you know, looking at the door, the, the customer is not comfortable, he's never going to give you the best, he's never going to spend, he's never going to be happy. 
if the atmosphere is not there, you need to feel the atmosphere. Because you could have the best food in the world but, and the best service, but if the atmosphere is not there, uh, it's a problem. Uh, we actually uh, train our staff sometimes to, I call it manufacture atmosphere. Because, you know, it's very easy to have an atmosphere when the place is full. Unfortunately, we come, uh, our businesses have never been full for, from day one. Uh, now, yes, but not at the beginning. And so we had to um, try all the tricks. So manufacturing atmosphere, for example, you know, putting the right music, putting the right light, seating people in a sense where the restaurant looks busier than it is to the customer and to the outside world of the customer. Because for any business, the problem is not uh, retaining customers, especially small business businesses the problem is actually get them through the door and, and you know this is the biggest challenge probably of being a small business owner mm. so when you've got the customer that comes in and they're like hunched over looking at the door you know you get the sense that they're not feeling comfortable what do you do uh first we let them smile because the approach the first four second rule approach is uh, true so we need to break the ice with these people. You can't just be cold eyes and, you know, they're, they're not like, especially now today, nowadays, people can eat wherever they want. The food more or less is uh, very good everywhere. And uh, you can like it or not, but it is. And, you know, why, I always ask my staff, why are these, pe why these people should give us money and pay our wage? You know, it's a really great question because it lets them understand uh, a little bit more about the person and why they should be in our restaurant. So they should be in our restaurant because we go the extra mile. Uh, we care about them. The atmosphere is fantastic. The food, of course, needs to be top notch. But then the service, the atmosphere, you know, understanding the customer at a psychological level is very important. An example, you know, a customer had a bad day and, you know, when they sit down after a bad day and they just do, <sighs> I always ask my people, what does it mean? And, you know, this is a big tell. They say, he doesn't want to talk. He had a big day. So give him something. And sometimes, you know, the approach is, no, would you like some sparkling water, some still water? Uh, he doesn't want to talk to you. Sir, one Negroni, thank you so much. And, you know, nine times out of ten, the approach is correct. And at a psychological level, you understand the customer and the customer understands that you understood him. It's kind of a poker game. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, you're running a business, so it's great to have customers. It's great to have people who, who feel like spending. But I sense that there's there's more to it for, uh, for you for, from a human level. Like, what is it that you get uh, as a person from you know, these emotional connections and creating these pathways for people to feel better? Danny, for me, at a personal level, is everything. I really get fueled by our customers, honestly. Uh, that's why during COVID, uh, I was feeling really miserable. Uh, you know, from a person that is in contact with almost uh, 2,000 people a week to go from to nothing, 
you know, you're missing your petrol, you're missing your fuel. Uh, you know, I, for me, it was really, really tough, the COVID period. Because what, you feed off that energy, those interactions? Absolutely. And also what you give to the staff, you know, like you, you, you want to give the staff your energy. Um, you want to give the people an amazing experience. Giacomo and I and Donatello as well, we are customer uh, service oriented people. So for us, customer service is everything. Uh, when we can't provide that, we are, we are very upset. We make mistakes, yes, we do like everybody. Mm. So Omar, I know you had a pretty tricky experience um, with a customer and one of your staff recently at Cozzy. Do you want to tell us about that? Absolutely. So that was last week when our restaurant manager, Eduardo, was abused and harassed by a customer. So basically three people, two women and one man came for lunch, normal long lunch, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, people left, I don't know, probably they don't like, didn't like the service. I'm, I'm not sure about it. But anyway, uh, one of the women, she called the restaurant and asked Eduardo, Eduardo, can you let me know what happened? And he said, I don't know what you mean. If you can let me know, I'll explain what happened. And she starts screaming to him. This was on the phone. And obviously, you know, when somebody screamed to you on the phone, you, you hang up. And then after 20 minutes, there was on a Friday night, 6.30 p.m., so full restaurant. She came in and uh, she actually, you know, she walked through the door and said, now you, Eduardo, you talk to me. Now we go and talk. You know, very aggressive behavior. Uh, it was actually really polite and nice to say, I'm happy to talk to you, but not at the moment. I have a full restaurant. And then, you know, she was continuing that story and obviously said, I'm going to call the police if you don't leave. And then she left. After a while, she posted a review on uh, Google, pretty nasty, towards Eduardo. Uh, and the review, I understand you can, you, if you don't like the service, but the review was very nasty in sense. It was a discrimination and an attack about Eduardo's diversity. Uh, he has some beautiful blue nails. Uh, it's funny because at the beginning of the meal, she praised his blue nails. And then what's all about the blue nails and discrimination and blah, blah, blah. So we felt, myself and my business partners, that we had to do a statement on Instagram, on, on the socials. Uh, and obviously, you know, we got an amazing support and response from the community. Uh, we were stating that abuse and harassment is not tolerated in our restaurants. In my career, I kicked out of a restaurant even when I didn't own the place, three people. Uh, I didn't care because I always say to my previous boss and I say to my staff, we are here to serve you, but we're not your servants. So the respectful people are always welcome. And, you know, there is a, a limit, obviously. But when they go very, very far, they're not welcome in our businesses. It doesn't matter how much money they spend. And what, do you, what impact do you think it has on Eduardo for you to respond in that way? Look, I think at the beginning when he saw that review, he was shocked. Like we, we were all shocked because Eduardo is a very beautiful, genuine, authentic and charismatic person. 
but then he saw us coming out, you know, all the staff, all the customers, all the people. We, we really got a lot of love. People coming over and say, Eduardo, love your nails, you know, you're beautiful. He, he really is, not because he's my staff, but he really is a beautiful person. And, uh, yeah, when I read that review, I, I didn't believe the review, you know, I didn't believe the review. Like, it's very hard. You can upset people, but not at that level. You know, it's very hard in our company to upset people at that level. It means that we didn't understand the customer. It was impossible. Yeah, I mean, do you think, like, even though you lead with empathy and it sounds like you're always trying to understand where people are coming from, it's, do you feel like sometimes it just, you, it's just not possible? That There's not that openness? You know, I, I mean, I do this for a living and I read reviews pretty much every day, uh, multiple times a day. So, you know, you start to understand if the review is true or not. And, you know, sometimes they're really not true. So, yes, the customer is right, but the respectful customer is right. You know, sometimes you got some really good feedbacks, but when they're just, you know, vomiting something that for the sake of doing it, it it's not possible. You just really wonder what's going on in someone's head that they think that's all okay. I mean... That's, that's really weird to storm back into the restaurant. Um, we, we live in a strange world, as you know. Let's, let's pull back a little bit and talk about the state of the industry. Uh, I mean, what do you think is going well at the moment and, and what needs to change? Look, I'm very happy that after COVID, a lot of people have realised that, um, especially restaurateurs and people in the industry, uh, has realised that they cannot underprice themselves just for the sake of underpricing and because you know before was a different world and i'm talking about two years ago uh moving forward two years you know i was just reading an article today that inflation has reached the level of uh 1980s levels you know you need to adapt like businesses need to adapt and before, the problem was that, you know, from my study in accounting and finance, uh, the small business owner, if somebody's called small business, there is a reason. Because sometimes, most of the time, the, there is some lack of skills there. And the lack of skills, especially when running a business, is also about not understanding, you know, profit and cash. Uh, I got zero profit, but cash in the bank, I got a lot of cash, but no profit. And sometimes, you know, especially in a small business world, people work a lot of hours. Let's say in a comparison, you know, a couple of people, two friends, husband and wives, they work 100 hours a week. And they pay themselves for 40. So at the end of the day, they saw a big chunk of profit uh, and says, oh, wow, this is all the profit that we made. No, you didn't make the profit because you work for five people, actually. But if you don't understand that, obviously, you're going to underprice yourself on any other level, you know, at the level cost and on went by the glass on pastas and everything. Uh, and that's why, you know, when you have moments like COVID, when nobody was prepared for it, obviously, uh, business is shut, you know, because they weren't prepared before. So sometimes there is, uh, I'm very happy that the industry is realizing that things cost a lot, especially now. 
I'm very happy that wages have increased a lot uh, because when I write 10 years ago, um, not in Cafe Cucina, in another previous job, I won't mention where it is and what it is, I was being deeply underpaid, probably earning $12 an hour. And now the wage cost triple because at least you have people earning at least minimum $30 plus an hour. And the price of a pasta hasn't really changed that much because 10 years ago, I remember, it was like $36 and now it's probably $39. You know, so you really need to start pricing your things well to survive. The customers are starting to understand that because, you know, sometimes I read reviews and you see, ah, this is overpriced. But what does really mean to be overpriced and what really is not overpriced today? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think at the start of COVID or all the way through, I think there was this this thinking that it was going to be a bit of a shakedown and those businesses that weren't operating, um, uh, yeah, I guess cleverly or with a full understanding of um, the way that their businesses run, that, you know, that there was going to be a bit of a reckoning. Those businesses were going to to have to close or, or if they couldn't shape up. I mean, do you think that's actually happened or do you think there's still a way to go? I think it has happened. Uh, I think from now on, you know, after a big crisis, there's always a bounce back. That's what I'm seeing right now, especially in the industry. And, I mean, are there other things in the industry that you think still need to change? Like what are you looking at? What do you, what do you want to see happen? Um, I'm very happy, honestly, about how the industry reacted after COVID. Uh, I think a big responsibility of the industry now is to start educating customers uh, in a way that, you know, as I said before, whatever was possible before COVID, even if it's to it's a different world right now. So, you know, when uh, petrol costs $2 a litre, price of food goes up. When wages increase, electricity, water, gas, and everything, everything goes up. Uh, it's just you need to be adaptable and still delivering the quality product that you um, think it is quality at the price that a consumer is willing to pay. It sounds like, though, you must have some tricks up your sleeve because if pasta was 36, now it's only 39, but we've got wages have tripled, inflation we all know is an issue. Like, what are the other levers that you're pulling to um, find that right balance between a successful business and, um, you know, prices that customers are happy to pay? Danny, obviously, one is operational and two, I think, is the marketing, uh, you know, being able to bring people in your restaurants uh, you know, the more people you bring in your restaurants, uh, the, the cost go, goes down a little bit. And obviously the biggest cost for any business is wages. Uh, so you can uh, lose and a lose a little bit on, on the margin that you make in food and wine. But, you know, you're able to still be uh, sustainable. Mm. And I feel, Omar, that you would have some personal routines that people might be interested to hear about. I don't know what it might be like, you know, ways that you organize your time or what you do first thing in the morning, you know, things that you mantras you have for yourself. Like tell, tell us about the way that you um, stay focused and, and in top shape as a business person. 
Absolutely. Danny, the funny thing of uh, restaurants and restaurateurs is that people think that, you know, I want to buy a restaurant and it's all fun. The stuff is lovely. I'm going to just sit outside and have a glass of wine or a pasta. Now, for people that want to buy a restaurant, forget about it. <laughs> uh, my schedule is uh, 6 a.m. Uh, I'm running uh, nine different social pages. So three Instagrams, three Facebooks, and three TikToks for three restaurants. Uh, first thing in the morning, I go to the gym. And then I probably have between 500 and 600 phone interactions between WhatsApp and emails and whatever, uh, plus few meetings with the staff and eventually at the moment working on the floor. Uh, now, the, our operations are growing a little bit, so I'm trying to still uh, uh, not be on the floor as much as I was before because we are setting up some big, bigger operation in the back office. But yeah, my day finishes at 12 a.m. So it's 6 a.m., 12 a.m. Do you reckon that's sustainable? Uh, I'm not sure, but I'm very excited for what I do. And obviously most of the things is, uh, you know, looking after yourself in sense of keeping healthy, don't drink, uh, don't do other stuff, and, you know, eating well. And, you know, then if you like what you do, I think it's sustainable. I love what I do. You know, it's not for everybody, though, I have to be honest. Sometimes you try to bring somebody with you, but unfortunately, it's not, it's not for everybody. It's just, you know, it's just not. Yeah. It sounds like you're so lucky that you, you know, met your business partners early and you must be very compatible. And I suppose, do you bring different things to the business? Absolutely. Um, me and Giacomo, we've been together as business, I mean, friends and business partners for 10 years. And we've been disagreeing for the past 10 years. So <laughs> we, we always laugh about it because we confuse stuff. We've been confusing stuff for the past 10 years. So I'm black, he's white. He's closed, I'm open. He's, uh, you know, tablecloth, no tablecloth. But, you know, at a certain point when the respect is there, we, you know, we, uh, I mean, we very much like each other. We couldn't be here if we were by ourselves. We go faster. We listen to each other. We respect a lot. And, and, that, and that's why we're here. Mm. Uh, so let's finish with um, a little chat about Vaporetto, which, you know, I think it's a lovely restaurant. It's been, how, I don't know, how long has it been there? 10 years? Uh, 2014, nine years. Nine years. Um, yeah, so tell us what attracted you to this business. It's it's in a at the it's backs on doesn't sound very glamorous when you say it. It's in a cinema arcade. It backs onto a car park um, next to Coles um, in Hawthorne. But it does it is a really atmospheric restaurant um, in a great neighbourhood um, of Hawthorne. So I mean, tell us what attracted you to the business and and what you're bringing to it. Absolutely. I'll tell you the story. Um, September 2022, so four months ago, we were looking for a place to go for dinner, Giacomo and I. Uh, so we decided to go to Vaporetto because most of our friends knew the place and always recommended the place. We've never been before. Uh, Walking and the person that was at the door straight away recognized us um, and said, are you buying the place? Now, we were shocked because we actually went for dinner. We didn't even know anything about it. 
uh, we really went genuinely for dinner. Then we had the, we said, no, uh, is it for sale? So we asked. And then, you know, we went on with the dinner. Uh, food was amazing. Atmosphere, fantastic. Uh, Greg, the chef, which he is still with us, uh, was amazing. You know, everybody came. So we had an amazing experience, honestly. And I said to Jao when we left, this was probably the best hospitality that we have received uh, in Australia in 10 years. That wow. was, a, was a big statement, honestly. Huge statement. Yeah. And, you know, we, we go out in many places. So it was amazing, really. Then we texted our business broker, uh, Stephen Mustafa from Link, and we said, you know, the manager just said that. Uh, he, he replied straight away and he said, it's funny because I'm actually meeting with the new owners, uh, to lovely, a lovely couple that I had it for a year, and uh, they want to sell the place. I said, wow. And, you know, when it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And he sent through some materials and, you know, we read their induction manual and I thought to Giacomo, we actually implemented something straight away from their induction manual. Uh, we thought we could have written that induction manual ourselves, you know, regarding the attitude, the code of conduct, lots of things. And we said, wow, this business really aligns with our values. Uh, the staff, the culture was amazing. The food was great. And we said, let's go ahead. And then four months after we settled on the 10th of January, we own the place. So uh, congratulations, first of all. Um, it sounds like you are pretty happy with how things are going. You, you know, it's, a, I guess, a Venetian concept. Um, Vaporetto gives a clue to that. Uh, are you changing anything or is it just a matter of steering the ship? Okay. So um, the difference between Vaporetto and Cosi, our previous acquisition, uh, Cosi's reputation was really destroyed. So we had to shake the business and people to say something has changed. It is changed. While Vaporetto is a very successful business, uh, most of the 85% of the things are very good. Uh, we're just going to add our operational expertise and uh, a little bit of systems and a lot of marketing and psychology. But, you know, the kitchen is very strong and consistent. Also, thanks to Chef Greg Feck that is still with us. Uh, Floor uh, is doing very good, lovely culture. Um, you know, we can add value, but the, the place has really amazing bones. So for the moment, we've been operating for two weeks. We haven't changed a thing. Uh, just the layout of the menu, not the dishes, a few operational things and lots of marketing. So no, we, we aren't changing much. Fantastic. Um, well, thanks, Omar. It's um, yeah, really interesting to dig more into your philosophy and the way that you approach your businesses. Is there anything else that you'd like to say? No, Danny. Thank you so much for inviting me. All right. I'll see you, see you for some pasta. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yeah, see you soon. See you. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. 
Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.